0: This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. You know, over the years, I've said often, while men reach for thrones to build their own kingdoms, Jesus reached for a towel to wash men's feet. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and bring glory to your Father in heaven. We're bombarded every day with such negative news, with bad news around the world. What we need is good news. That's what the gospel is, the presentation of good news. We need a tangible expression of Christ in our communities. Today I'm so excited about introducing you to Jody Caracosta, the vice president of the ministries I founded called Somebody Cares America and Somebody Cares International. She's going to be sharing on how to cultivate a life of doing good.
1: Thanks for having me, Doug. I want to talk today about uh, a scripture, Isaiah one seventeen, that says, Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. You know, in the busyness of life and the crush of all the responsibilities we take on today, it's really can be easy to ignore when the Holy Spirit nudges us to do something. Instead of stepping out of our comfort zone, we might say a quick prayer, give a small donation, or make an internal promise to do something later. In our pressed lives, it's easy to even overlook or be overwhelmed by the needs of friends or coworkers. They may be struggling with a personal crisis and searching for answers, and we're just too busy to respond it's sinful human nature to focus on our needs our wants our desires with little regard for someone else but it's the same struggle that Christians have had throughout time you know in Ephesians 4 verses 22 to through 24 Paul tells us that we must put on a new nature God's nature which teaches us to live differently It says, You are taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. As Christians, we're instructed to no longer look out for our own needs only, but also for the needs of others. Lori Jane is a great example. She's been a long time faithful volunteer with Somebody Cares New England. In the early years of the ministry, she and some others served up coffee and prayers in front of a local homeless shelter at 6 a.m. every Thursday morning. They called it the Christian Coffee Posse. Lori Jane became familiar with the angry uh, mockery of some of the homeless people who came out in the morning who were just, had, had a really hard life. There was one woman in particular, we'll call her Hannah, and every week Hannah would scurry past the coffee crew as quickly as she could, but after a few weeks she started talking to them, usually just to taunt them and mock them about God and their and their faith, but that little band of Christians kept right on praying and they kept right on serving. Tragically, couple days before Thanksgiving one year Hannah was sexually assaulted uh, and the staff at the shelter knew she needed more than they could help her with so they referred her to a crisis response facility when Lori Jane heard she started looking for Hannah on Thanksgiving day Hannah uh, later shared Lori Jane showed up and loved me as I was broken beaten and battle worn when she invited me to church I was so impressed with her compassion that I went Everything from the worship music to the message filled me with hope and encouraged and fueled my empty soul. Hannah accepted Jesus that day, and really her whole life changed. Hannah was able to finish college, she got a good job, and she even volunteered with the coffee ministry from time to time, all because Christians were unafraid to live out their faith. You know, God wants to reach others like Hannah through every believer. In fact, as part of his grand eternal plan— Of course, that type of life doesn't come naturally to us because of that sinful human nature. But Isaiah, in chapter 1, verse 17, says we must learn to do good. The Apostle Paul talks about this really throughout his letter to Titus. In Titus 2, verse 7, it says, In everything set an example by doing what is good. In verses 11 through 14 of the same chapter, it reads for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men goes on and then it says to purify for himself a people for his very own possession zealous for good works in another version the NIV it says eager to do good in the New Living Translation it says who are totally committed to doing good the International Standard Translation enthusiastic about doing good deeds and the new revised international version, who long to do what is good. So you kind of get the point. It's really God has poured his love out on us for our blessing, but also so that we would learn to do good for others. In Titus 1.3, Paul goes on to say, "...remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, and to be ready to do whatever is good." And in Paul's closing words to Titus, which are found in Titus 3.14, he hammers the message home again. Let our people also learn to engage in good deeds, to meet pressing needs, so that they may not be unfruitful. Paul understood the struggle between our flesh and the Spirit of God, so Paul tells us to practice doing good. We must practice meeting pressing needs. In other words, we must cultivate a life of doing good. If we don't, we will be unfruitful. In Luke 13, verses 6 through 9, Jesus tells a parable about a fig tree. And this is what it says. Then he, said, then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for a fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Well, I for one want the Lord to find fruit when he comes looking in my life. It isn't out of fear that I want to produce fruit, but really out of love for Jesus. When the Lord comes looking, I want him to be pleased and refreshed by what he finds in my life. The Lord recently impressed on me the word intentional. And that word has great application here. We have, to be intention, we have to be intentional about doing good. To do that, we have to intentionally reorder our lives. We have to prepare ourselves to be available for God's use on a daily basis. If we do, we'll see fruit in our lives that we never imagined possible. Fruit that will please the Lord when He comes looking. So what should we do? The beautiful and challenging thing about being a part of the body of Christ is that everyone has a unique role to play. There's no one-size-fit-all answer. Lori Jane and the the Christian coffee posse served coffee, they prayed for the homeless, and they shared Jesus every Thursday morning in Massachusetts, and people came to Christ. Samantha, another woman in another state, volunteered with a local jail ministry in Virginia for a season where God gave her a deep love for women suffering from the same addictions and brokenness that plagued plagued her own mother. She prayed for them and loved them and shared time with them, She told them about the forgiveness of Jesus, and women were freed from spiritual bondage. Mike serves as a chaplain for a professional basketball team. He prays with them and counsels them at all hours of the day or night when they have personal crisis. He shares God's word with them without ever trying to manipulate them for personal gain, and lives and families are being saved. Several men in Texas started a business together based on and committed to biblical values. As a company, they leave margins in their business, so that they can support God's work. As an example, after Hurricane Katrina and also the uh, Haitian earthquake, somebody cares needed a quick way to get assessment teams and immediate relief into the disaster zones. The infrastructure had crumbled in some areas and it was hard to reach. So this company made their commercial jet, their corporate jet available for the team free of charge and uh, also for relief supplies and countless lives were impacted. Dorothy moved from Canada to Haiti many years ago to care for AIDS orphans. When the earthquake struck, God spared her compound, which she opened to families who lost their homes in the quake. She provided a safe place to stay with their children. She provided food and water and most of all the good news of Jesus. She literally saved hundreds of lives physically and brought many to Christ. Barry, an attorney in Virginia, raised resources to create a child-friendly waiting room in the courthouse for children who are victims of crime or abuse so going to court wouldn't be so scary. His actions were really a testimony to everybody working in the legal system in the city and opened the doors for him to share his faith with many. Mark in Texas and Mike in Minnesota have ordered their lives so they can take weeks away from work and family responsibilities when there's a major disaster. They provide hot meals on site for survivors and first responders as part of the Somebody Cares Network. They've also built a mobile catering grill to pull behind a pickup, and they're usually one of the first to arrive in many locations after a disaster to start serving the community that's been devastated. And of course, in addition to giving hot meals, they also share about the love of Jesus and the good news. They connect people to local churches and desperate people find hope again. Terry, who was a retired civil servant from Colorado, he came to Texas following Hurricane Ike to offer logistical support for relief efforts. He connected with Somebody Cares, and he played a really critical role in our housing rehabilitation project after Hurricane Ike. And he shared Jesus with people who were recovering from that storm, and lives were changed. There are many, many, many other examples of how God's using his people in different ways to minister life and bring hope to the hurting. Hopefully you have some of your own. The opportunities to make yourself available to God are endless. Ephesians 2.10 reminds us that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Can you imagine that? The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe, planned out in advance good works specifically for me to do, and he has some specifically waiting for you to do. So are you ready to do them? If you truly desire to be someone God can use to minister to hurting people who need Christ, I have a few suggestions for you. First of all, leave margins in your schedule. It isn't a new thought, but it sure is an important one. If, you schedule, if your schedule is jam-packed, full, how can you re- have time to respond when a need arises? Of course, there are responsibilities and appointments you can't shirk. But if your entire day and night are filled with must-dos, there's no opportunity for ministry. So I encourage you to order your day so that you have room to reach out when the Holy Spirit leads and be realistic about what really is a must-do. Coffee with a friend might be prime ministry time, but you know, in reality it could also be a convenient way to fill an hour so you don't have to listen to the Lord. Number two, leave margins in your budget if possible. Times can be tough. You may be out of work or you may be struggling to make ends meet. So if there's no excess, God will show you other ways to do good. Of course, tithing or giving of your first fruits is non-negotiable. So if you're not doing that, seek the Lord about the right way. But if you have enough income to cover your basic needs and you have a little leftover, consider carefully what to do with that leftover portion. Can you set some aside each month so you can help others in need? or participate in ministry or go on a mission trip, ask the Lord, he'll show you. Number three, like we've said before, we have to practice doing good. We've talked about it a lot, but I say it again. Learn to do good by meeting pressing needs around you. Ask God to give you eyes to see and ears to hear needs around you. Just this morning, I was getting some coffee and there was a homeless man sitting in the coffee shop and I asked him if he wanted some coffee. He was shocked and surprised. So it's cold outside today. I was able to bless him simply with a cup of coffee. But ask God to give you a heart to respond. Think of creative ways to help with needs on a regular basis according to the passions and gifts God's placed inside you. Here's just some quick examples. Raise, uh, recruit some friends to raise money for a cause that's dear to your heart. You can use social media. You can host an event that highlights the need. You can come up with some other creative way to educate about the need and engage people in meeting it. The, five, the Piper's five children set up a lemonade stand after the Japanese earthquake and raised over $100 to help survivors. They gave it through Somebody Cares. Uh, you might also offer to make and deliver meals to families in your church or some other group who are dealing with a serious illness or a death. You know, maybe suggestion with the the meal, leave an encouraging scripture or a note on a card for the people to read later. During the holiday season, there's all sorts of opportunity to reach out. You can participate in Toys for Tots or Angel Tree or Operation Christmas Child or some other outreach in your community. Of course, year-round, you can volunteer in a local rescue mission, an after-school program, a food pantry, or some other local ministry. I just encourage you to choose one where your Christian witness is welcome. Really listen when friends are going through a hard time and see if there are practical ways you can help. Maybe you can offer to clean house or run errands for someone who's going through radiation or chemotherapy. Maybe you can provide free babysitting for a couple who's struggling to make ends meet or for a military family who has just come back from deployment so they can spend some time alone. If you're handy with mechanical things, do basic car maintenance for those on who are on fixed incomes or even major car repairs if you know how to do that. Anything else you can do to bless someone when they need a hand, God's gifted you. Ask him how he wants you to use it. Most importantly, every day you need to spend time with the Lord. To be most effective, good deeds need to flow out of love. First, love for God and also love for others. If we dry up spiritually, good deeds quickly become unpleasant chores and just one more burden for us to carry. So seek God, read his word, open your heart in prayer, and listen for his voice so you will receive refreshment for your soul. Fifthly, prepare yourself. Sometimes a crisis or a disaster strikes close to home. If stores are closed, electricity is out, gas pumps have run dry, and banks are shuttered, can you care for yourself and your family? Is your church ready to be a beacon of light in your community when things go wrong? If you are not personally prepared to care for yourself when a disaster strikes your community, you won't be able to reach out and help others. There are lots of books and resources and seminars that can help you prepare, personally and as a church body. So I encourage you to check them out. For starters, you can find a few on the e-store at somebodycares.org. Finally get connected. When you are facing a difficult ministry situation or a crisis hits near you, you want to know who you can trust and who you can rely on. So develop relationships with other like-minded people, those who are reaching out, the ones who are also cultivating a life of good deeds. Connect with a church that actively supports outreach or with a local city reaching group or ministry to impact your neighborhood and your community. Then, when the next crisis happens, you're in the loop and everyone knows what you have to offer. If you want to be used by God, you have to be intentional about your choices. Those who cultivate a life of doing good out of deep love for God will see great fruitfulness in their lives and for the kingdom.
0: Wow, thank you, Jody. You truly articulated what I believe many of us are feeling in our hearts. Especially, how do we become a people who, as you said in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17, how do we learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, and plead for the widow in very real and tangible ways? And I believe you, in a very succinct and articulate way, shared tremendous testimonies, real-life stories, as well as giving us practical application on how to put that in our own lives and put it to practice. So again, thank you so much, Jody, cultivating a life of doing good. Well, I can't wait for the next podcast because Jody is going to do part two to cultivating a life of doing good, and I'm looking forward to hearing it myself. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.